You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up podcast. And for this week, I was joined by good buddy Aaron Hepler on for the podcast. And man, we just sat down. We talked a little bit about a little bit about everything. We started out with end of the season, kind of what what what's next? What's happening now? What is on your to do list? How do you wrap things up from this past season and get ready for looking into scouting season and everything along those lines? And then we did touch upon his awesome, successful 2022 season where he killed an elk, killed a whitetail, and dove into just some other BS stuff. Really enjoyed this conversation with Aaron. Guy has a ton of knowledge, writes for Exodus, writes for Clint over at Truth from the Stand, Afflictor Broadheads, all kinds of stuff, and just uh, very fortunate to call him one of, our, one of our good friends. So check this one out, enjoy it, and hopefully you and your family had a great Thanksgiving and getting ready to still continue to get after it with the rifle here in Pennsylvania. Season's winding down. I'm excited for this one. Hopefully we could do a little add-on piece because hopefully I tagged out. I don't know. We'll see. Going to do everything I can, though, from my power to get after it. So thank you, everybody, for all of your support. Check out antlerupoutdoors.com. Check out what we got going on on our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We're going to try to do some more videos as well. And, hey, if you have a, a cool story or something that you would like to share about about this past season, hit me up. We'll get you on the podcast. All right, everybody. Antler up. And before we get into this week's episode, I want to share with you a discount code from Black Rifle Coffee. And Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. So fuel your next adventure and purchase at www.blackriflecoffee.com and use code ANTLER at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and or your first club coffee club subscription. Last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We partnered with social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. 
Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. And Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit and download GoWild.com to get started. All right, everybody, let's get into this week's episode. What's up, everybody? We're back. Uh, we're live for another episode. And on the other line, I'm joined by Aaron Hepler, my good buddy. And Aaron, man, what's going on? What's up, dude? How you been? <laughs> Grinding, I guess you could say. Just, uh, you know, we've been in contact all season. And uh, I just recorded a podcast with Dan and for his Nine Finger, Finger Chronicle podcast. And I said to him, he asked me how the season was going, and I giggled. And I said, is it weird to say you've had success without having true success of killing a deer yet up to this point? And he's like, yeah, let's get into it. Let's ask why. And so, uh, yeah, man, I just, I mean, other than that, I'm still, I'm ready for the weekend of rifle hunting and getting ready for that. And so obviously this will air when uh, we're already, what, like five days in Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. So this will air when we're five days into the gun season. So hopefully when this airs, I could say uh in the intro like hey i got a buck that i've been after <laughs> so we'll the see equalizer cracked yeah the equalizer finally cracked <laughs> yeah man which will be well, nice all the stuff we'll talk about tonight will be pertinent for anything after the five days anyway so yeah yeah no this will this will be good so yeah man well we'll get into your buck story uh later on i want to talk a little bit about some things beforehand but what do you got going on what's what's new with you oh you know just I do all the, uh, the after archery pulling the cameras and, uh, sharing my woes to everybody for the deer that I missed. Cause I wasn't there, you know, <laughs> um, I don't know. I like to get the cameras out so they don't get yanked. I have one or two cells out yet that I'll just leave. Cause they're in, they're in holes that I have never gotten people on before and had them in rifles. So, yeah, here's a question for you. Well, like when it comes to that and pulling, because you know, you're not one of, you're not the first person that I've said that. And you know, uh, when Dimitri and I have put out cameras here in central Pennsylvania, where we live on public land, man, we would even pull them even prior to bow hunting just because of people and everything like that. And since then, obviously we've done a little bit more homework and we could go into a little bit different spots where majority of people don't go like, man, like up until this point, like November 22nd, one, cell camera that I've had out now for over two years and I've yet to get a human body on it. And, right. um, you know, so it's, it, 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 it's doable <laughs> and it's very, uh, attainable for free to do that, to get good Intel, whether it be a cell camera or not, it doesn't matter to, I guess, get some historical data in, in your, uh, back pocket. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just of the mind of just pull them out before rifle. Cause you have people walking more, walking through the woods, more chewing deer drives and stuff like that. And, uh, just looking for their own cameras in general. So, um, now between the one spot that, that Troy and I hunt together, you know, we had, I think six, I don't know, 16 or 18 cameras, a lot of cameras out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, none of them got stolen this year. We had one get stolen last year and like an SD card or two, nothing crazy, but nothing, nothing messed with this year. And, but I do think we only had people on maybe four or five of those cameras. So, um, 
but there were a few that should have been stolen. So it's kind of nice. Maybe people are getting like, the, Hey, you don't steal mine. I won't steal yours kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And, um, uh, I don't know. I just, I just prefer to do it that way. I don't really need information for gun season. I just, there'll be a couple spots that like, if I'm going to hunt public that I'll, um, that I'll kind of, we'll call it a rally cam. Like, that's in a deep hole where the deer I think are going to go to during rifle and I'll leave one in there. And that's actually worked out. Um, there's a uh, one cell that I'm running right now and I actually get, you know, I won't get any deer on it until about, I get deer on it during archery, but then I won't get anything on it until, you know, five, six days into rifle. And then all of a sudden one afternoon, there's a one twenty in the afternoon on it. So, um, I know the deer tend to get pushed back there because then I'll get pictures of deer like that for days and no pictures of people. So it kind of telling me that's kind of where they're going to hide. So, yeah. well, we have uh, rifle season going on as we speak basically. And with that being said, what, if you had a buck tag in your pocket, what would be your strategy going into this rifle season and all that jazz? So, Normally, like I, um, normally I do get to hunt on a farm on the opener. Um, I, I, I'm pretty fortunate to have a buddy that has a farm family friend of mine and I've hunted there for a long time. Um, but as far as, as far as public goes, that's really what I'm looking for. I'm looking for where those deer get pushed to, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, two or three miles from the truck. Sometimes they're getting pushed back from those areas back towards the access you know, everybody says hunt near the parking lot. I'm not saying that either. It's just somewhere, somewhere in between there's an area that those deer are going to get pushed to. So, you know, one of the things that I did even just this bow season is there's, um, I really just like to take a drive and check out the parking lot see what's, you know, see what kind of people are parked along the road, see kind of, and then rifle season, you can do that and you can see where the orange is where the people aren't, that's where the deer tend to be. So you get in between those areas and that, you know, as far as strategy goes for public land, that's usually what I'll, I'll kind of lean to. Um, and that's just for setups. So we, you know, you and I were just talking offline about, um, it's going to rain this weekend. Um, that's, that's one of the best things about rain and rifle season is the still hunting thing. And if you get a big track, you, you know, have a really good chance of, uh, you know, being able to take your time and just kind of sneaking around like that and still hunting. That's what's been fascinating to me to see, especially when it comes to these camera details is, you know, obviously the last year, year and a half, I really took into learning about like the scrape hunting a little bit more and, and dove into that really deep, I guess you could say this year, but this year post quote unquote, you know, I guess archery season and a little bit like during the last couple of days of archery season, these bucks have been like going back and hitting these scrapes. I don't know what your camera details have shown, but for me, man, some of these bucks are hitting that scrape again, or at least hitting that licking branch, basically or just checking it, seeing who's around now, like the, the main double scrape and the community scrape that you and I uh, and Jim found over the yeah. summer, basically that double scrape, that area is has been busy. However, that scrape hasn't been hit. That community one that with the hemlock has, 
And then, okay. and then a couple other spots on the mountain, like where it is private that my dad and I hunt, some of our mock scrapes have, have been hit. And yeah. you, could, you could see even on one of them where the deer is, you know, pissing in it. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think that's pretty accurate because, um, when we were walking around today, there was a couple things I wanted to check out just because of how I saw some deer moving in archery from a distance. I was like, I want to get in there when I have the time and see actually what was happening. I know I can do that in the spring, but this is as close as the time was that I got to see. There was one day I did an all day hunt and had 15 or 20 deer in this ditch. And I'm like, man, I got to go as soon as I can get in there without messing it up for any, any of my buddies that are going to go in there. Like I'm going to go in there and see what, what that was all about. Right. So we did that today and the scrapes are like, there was fresh piss in them, you know, like yeah. they're, they're getting hit. And I think there's, I mean, I'm sure there's still some does that are in heat. Um, somebody, one of my buddies sent me a, uh, uh, Cole Seitzinger actually sent me a picture of a, um, a buck chasing a doe today. Um, so what does that look like in a photo? Because the, you know what I mean? Like, do you, do you get that photo of that doe and then she's running mid through and then like a minute later you, you see him coming through and just well, chilling? He, he actually has, it's a, it's a pretty good picture. I'll send it to you, but he actually, um, he had the deer was running straight at the camera. So you could see the doe in the one frame and then the buck, behind her you know mm-hmm. mouth open going getting ready to go to town you know yeah well that's because that, the reason why i asked that is because that photo that i sent you tonight yeah uh, he there's a doe like coming through blurred out because she's running and literally the next photo is him yeah you know is that him just like chasing her out of there or is that i mean because she wasn't there already like that was the first image was her boom going through. And then the next thing you know, it he's coming in and then to backtrack, even the last like day or two, there's been a couple kind of like what you said about your buddy. Let me just take a look at this because it was probably something similar, something very similar where this doe came through. And then like the next photo you could see his antler in that same photo. And then the next photo of him walking through is like nose is down. Like he's like yeah. head down and he's going right in that same direction that that doe. Yeah. Was. I mean, I would say that's, that's probably that picture, especially if you have your, if you have your burst set to like, you know, two images, you're going to have, you're going to, you're going to catch that like right. that. And it might, most of the time what happens during the rut is, is the trigger speed's not fast enough or something. And you catch the, you'll catch the, the nose of the doe and the ass of the buck. But, you know. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good thing that, you know, I guess you got to take into consideration, make sure you have your settings, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The rut for the rut time frame is a really, it's really important to have settings like that. And you, if you're running on video mode, it's important to, to stretch it out a little bit too, you know? Um, I ran some video, you know, a lot of, like that's what a lot of people are, are going to is the video. Cause you can learn a little bit more from it. Um, I like 10 seconds just cause I don't feel like going through uh, an SD card with 500 videos on it mm-hmm. <laughs> that are all 20 seconds long. But, um, but video during the rut is important. Cause I actually did have, I had a couple videos even in the 10 second frame where, you have a doe come busting through the frame and you can hear 
the buck, you know, coming along and then you'll get like, you'll get the front half of him or something at the end of the 10 seconds. So it is, it's, if you, if you didn't have it on 10 or 20 seconds, you're going to miss, I mean, you get the dough and then be like, Oh, okay. It was a dough. Who cares? Yeah. Or you might hear, you know, if you have the audio on or whatever, you'd hear the, the deer in the background and never, never know. Right. Right. That's good stuff, man. I like that. So yeah. let's, let's dive into this. Let's, let's look at it in, in a, in this way. Rifle season is winding down for some like yourself, your season for a buck tag is done. Like you're going to go out for a doe uh, with the rifle and all that type of stuff. So in reality, people's seasons are starting to wind down again, right? Yeah. They're starting to kind of come to that, that, that end of, of the year. And then granted, like I'm still going to go out for late season, all that type of stuff. But majority of the prime time information is winding down. What now? So for me, like the rifle season, if I don't have a buck tag is, is just, is just some fun, but it's a really good time to learn things, especially if you're going to get to still hunt. Um, but it is, it is. So we're talking about the rut and we're talking about scrapes. It, you know, everybody talks about the rut being on a bell shaped curve and there is a second rut, even though it's kind of like a magical mythical, it might not happen kind of thing. It does happen. And, um, uh, one of the bucks that I shot, one of the bucks that I shot in the farm three, three years ago in 2019, he actually, it was, uh, he's that 11 pointer that I shot in the farm. Um, he actually was, was seen by somebody else a mile away and he had kicked some does out of a, of a strip of brushy stuff and he was chasing around in a cornfield. And then he ended up taking them through this Valley that I hunt on and brought them a whole mile out to the, to one of the fields that I sit on and he brought them back out into the field and I, I, I think I told this story on here before I actually missed him in the field and my gun jammed and he ended up going down into the thick Valley and I couldn't see him from where he was. Cause he was like a hundred yards into this just prior mess, tangled vines and everything. And he ended up bringing these, he wanted to keep these does down in that thick stuff. There were three, three does that must've all been hot and he had them all down. Like he kept wrangling them up and had them all down in this thick <laughs> stuff. And I think he just kind of wanted to cruise through that to um, there was a select cut of timber on the adjacent farm. And I think he just wanted to get them into that timber and keep them in there. But he wanted to keep them down in the valley because there's two fields on either side of this valley that I that I hunt on. And um, he finally ended up like corralling them on the opposite side of the valley and ended up um, being about 75 yards. And I I. Um, I made a broadside shot on him then, but that's one of the things that you can key on key in on is, is, um, um, you know, the, the, the fawn thing with the camera Intel, that's a, a big thing that Chad talks about all the time. Chad from, uh, from Exodus talks about, um, the key fawn dates. If you're seeing fawns that look like they're new fawns, maybe a little bit later than you normally would, like maybe you're seeing brand new fawns in June and July, you know, hey, maybe that's a, an area you want to kind of focus in on on the rifle season because that might be an area where the secondary rut kicks in. Um, 
but back to the scrapes, I've had bucks hitting hitting scrapes and having does hit the scrapes and hit having bucks hit the scrapes after the does are there midway through the rifle season or even at the end of it. So that second week you have some first thing, you know, sometimes in the beginning of the first, you really have to pay attention to those areas where does might be, um, might be, uh, might be coming back in or, or coming into heat for the first time, especially if you're seeing does by themselves, that's not, that's not, like normal during the rifle, like you usually see does all grouped up together. Right. Right. So let's kind of, I want to, I want to know the Aaron Hepler like checklist then like, what is, what is on that, that to-do list? What is taking priority when your season's wrapped up and you're getting ready into that postseason scouting or like retrieving camera what goes in, what goes into this, like prepping for the off season, I guess. Um, my wife really appreciates when I clean up my shit, you know, <laughs> yep. no, you know, you do, you have to go back through your gear. Cause you can't tell you how many times, like you lose something important because it was left in a pocket. And then, you know, the next season comes around and you go to throw that in the laundry or something of that nature. And then your, your range finders full of water or, uh, you lost your release or um, your archery tools that you had in your bag. You need all that stuff to be functioning when you're hunting. You need, um, you know, you need your kill kit to work. You need your, your pack. You know, if there's a, a strap that's frayed and you need to order a new one, you need to do that. So just taking inventory of all your gear. Um, you know, I like to clean out my cameras cause they're all full of bugs and spider webs and all that kind of stuff. And if you want them, you, cameras aren't really like a small investment, you know, even if you run, you know, $25, uh, Tasco cams and you got a hundred of them, that's still a lot of money that you invested in. It's all the time that you're going to invest putting them back out in the woods. So if you want a camera that's going to work, uh, take care of it. Cause if you're going to go hang it and you go back out there and check it and there's nothing on it, you just wasted. I mean, can't really say waste, you wasted time in the woods because I'm sure you learned something, but like you just invested a lot of time in something that didn't really matter. Right. So definitely organizing, you know, putting stuff back together um, is on my checklist to get ready for the, for the postseason. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, I, I like to spend at least, I'm sure it's more than 10 minutes, but I like to at least spend 10 minutes a day looking over on X or um, whatever e-scouting app you're using. Yep. It, it's important to do that because you're always going to pick up something a little bit different. And then you, you got to pay attention to, in fact, it's, it's a good idea to not just use one, um, you know, one app, you know, you can use Google earth, you can use Spartan forge, you can use hunt stand, whatever it is, you can see different angles of those images. Um, maybe the cut looks different this time than this time. Uh, Google Photos, you can scroll back through history. If you do it on your laptop or desktop, you can scroll back through the history and see when that cut was made or the consecutive cuts that were on it. Um, so that is something you really want to prepare for because when you um, when you get to the land that you're going to scout, a lot of times if you don't have a plan, you just kind of look at your map and point yourself in a direction and go. Yeah. And if you have a plan for where you want to go, 
and you go and you pick that area apart, you're going to have a lot more success with your scouting and, and you're going to have a lot more of those moments where you're like, Oh yeah, I, this is like, you get that spidey, like I'm going to kill a deer here. Right. Like this is why I can kill a deer. Right. So let's, let's run through this. So when you, like you just said earlier in this podcast, you pull a lot of your cameras just before like rifle and everything. And you're going Mm -hmm. through that data. You're going through that Intel. And I'm sure you're keeping notes of some sort when you go through maybe this camera, like let's call camera A and B, it's in a general area. You had, you had some on stand deer movement, nothing too crazy, nothing like you're like right ready to ride home about. The camera images are okay. Got a good buck here and there, but again, nothing to write home about. Do you just totally wash that area and like kind of go back and like, okay, so that's, that's a current spot or an older spot that gets checked off. Now where's a new spot that I could go and look at? Like, do you have any sort of process like that? Um, yeah, maybe subconsciously. I mean, this year we put a camera in the same spot, um, where I killed my buck last year. And I don't really know what it was about that spot. It seemed like, it seemed like we, we got a couple of people on that camera this year. So it seemed, I don't know if people were going in there, but it just wasn't, what it was last year right although the spot looks awesome still it's got a lot of uh, what i call pot sweeteners you know there's scraped water hole and thick cover but all the deer pictures we were getting on it were 4 a.m midnight 10 p.m nothing nothing really right home about and nothing nothing really big either like you know maybe a couple nice ones or whatever 110 inch deer or whatever I'm not going to write that area off though, because I know there's still decent ones there, but I'm going to track, I'm going to track it back. So I am going to say, okay, so this spot didn't pan out. Maybe here's why, maybe there were a couple people. So I'm going to find, I'm going to look around and see if I can find, if there was somebody in there, find like maybe people sign, you know, um, uh, stick bike marts into the tree or climber stand stuff or hot hand wrappers. That seems to be a hot thing to find in the, besides balloons, you know, you find a hot hand wrappers, you know, where people are. Um, but that's something that I'll go, I'll go to and I'll backtrack from where I'm getting pictures of that deer and be like, all right, well, this is the area they like, but here's where they shifted to this year. And then the first time you're in a stand, you, you won't get that. But after one or two, three years, you'll be able to say, okay, like the deer shifted kind of like this, this way, I I'm going to predict that next year he's going to shift like this. And maybe you put a camera in the spot he was there last year and a camera in the spot you think he's going to go to and then compare it. Cause maybe you're right about both of them. Maybe, you know, it was kind of using that older area, but it's checking out this newer area. Um, well, that's great because that reminds me of our marsh where we scouted. I mean, I got great deer, but a lot of it was past daylight. And other than maybe like when the rut was really kind of hard and doing well, and I would get a better off then. Yeah. You know, but like, as far as like, hell, even now, like just the other night I was, you know, it's like nine o'clock and bing, there's two good shooter bucks on the camera. I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing here? Like, where were you? Like, where do you go? (laughs) You know what I mean? And you know what that, that spot kind of looks like. So yeah, I want to keep that camera there. 
because I like it, but it, exactly what you just said, I also want to get another camera. They're, they continue to come a certain way. And I'm like, man, I, I want to just, I want to kind of like what you, you were saying in a text message, just kind of make another loop around in, in a different area that we did not go to because I did, I did somewhat in that vicinity in October and walking through that brush and dude, there's like this random tree that had limbs and I'm like, I'm going to walk right by that. And lo and behold, I was on a, on the outside of a deer trail. Boom. That tree had a scrape on it. Yeah. And I think, I think one spot for that area, Jeremy is like when we were, we should, we were in there in August. Yeah. We need to go like right when the season's done. I think we should go and really pick it apart and, you know, walk those train features. Yep. Because I think that edge, kind of where we got to, will be well. A, it'll be easier to walk through because um, it won't be so darn thick. Well, I mean, I don't know how you could not have that area be thick, but we'll be able to walk that edge a little bit better and kind of figure that out. Mm-hmm. And because I, I do think there's, you know, like um, we found that nice scrape line in where that in those in between those two edges where that double scrape is that you're hunting. Yep. Well, where does it all originate from and why do they have a scrape there? There's got to be doe bedding in there somewhere. So there's a line and I've noticed this from like where the, the buck that got kicked out on that weekend that I was in there in the rub from the down trespasser to, down to the east there. Yeah. When, when he came where, where he went to the one, the evening that I shot that doe that I tried to track and recover when I was leaving that night dude, I was literally just walking and I stumbled upon like another scrape and I marked it. Cause I was like, what the heck? Like it just randomly. But when you look at the map and I'll send you a waypoint, mm-hmm. it's literally a straight line coming off the one, I guess you could say like point coming down to the community scrape. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the kinds of areas that I'm, I'm talking about is you yep. want to track those areas back and then like connect it to some other deer kind of thing. Like yep. I know, well, we found plenty of bedding down in that one uh, ditch, if it. you want to call it. Yep. But the way that that edge goes in there and then the way that that terrain sets up, there's probably multiple connections that you can find that center hub, mm-hmm. which which it's hard to say that that double scrape isn't a center hub, but there could be a couple like that, you know? The hard part about that spot, and I'm glad that you're on because, like, you've been in there <laughs> with me. Mm-hmm. That spot is impossible to hunt in the morning. Because of the wind. One, the wind, and two, every time. I hunted it twice in the morning. Each time I kicked at least six deer out. Hmm. But in the evening... So- but like the two times in the evening, I was clean as a whistle. Okay. Well, so they're either in there feeding or they're in there bedding. Like it's, well, that's obvious, but like it's either, I mean, depending on what time of the morning it is and what pattern they're on, like if they're, if they're getting back to their bed, if you notice like when, and that's something we should do too is like hang some, cameras towards the bedding areas because then you kind of know like oh they're getting back to bed a little bit late yeah because if you know they're getting back to bed a little bit late and they're and you're kicking them out in the morning you know they're in there feeding and you know that's a good chance to go in around that and then get in between them their bed and their feed versus actually hunting the 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 scrape and it's hard because you got freaking awesome pictures on that thing yeah 
especially, especially like leading up into this season, you were getting, they were hammering that thing like every day. Yeah. Well, that was, and that's exactly what I said in that podcast with Dan was like, he was like, you know, tell me a little bit about the year. And I said, this was the first year that I don't know, in all my years of hunting that because of hunting big woods, mountain terrain features, you know, a buck, the pattern quote unquote was it's impossible. Like, Oh yeah. Every four days, maybe he comes by, you know, it's, it's so hard up there because it's also too lightly pressured. So once they find their safe zone, man, they're, they're hanging out there. But I said to him, man, opening day, <laughs> like if the wind would have yeah. been great, like I, I felt very confident, like, dude, I felt like friggin' like the Jake Bush of the world of, you know, talking like that early season, you might get a chance. And I mean, yeah. like, like, I don't know how many Jake Bush podcasts I listen to just because, you know, he's like the dude when it comes to early season, killing a buck, <laughs> you know, like, so I don't know, man. Like I, I just kind of, that was like a really cool thing going into the year. And I took the stab at it, like on that, what the seventh or eighth that was. And, uh, after that weekend, I, I gave it a rest for a while. And then I went in like mid late month on that and, yeah. I, and walk in. So that first time in, I, it was an evening sitting and then I went in later on in, in the month on a morning sit and I bumped one walking in and I bumped one that was literally right at the double scrape. And I just remember being like, like the eyes were right there. And later on that morning I saw in that on the cross on that thick stuff, I saw like bodies going. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my dad and I went in there the weekend of the 12th and that's when walking in, we bumped like two before the community scrape. And then when we got near the double scrape, I had, like I was maybe like 30 yards away and boom, my phone went off and there was dough there and I was like, crap. So I kind of like stood there in gray light and worked slowly my way in and got set up and they didn't, I mean, I kicked them out, but they didn't blow. Like you could kind of hear them trotting off a little bit. So I tried to set up as quietly as possible, but I felt okay about that just because hopefully one of them was in, you know, estrus. Hey, I, I don't, I think that's fine, man. Like I, um, you know, one of the big debates is always like, do you use a headlamp? Do you not use a headlamp? And you got the guys that are like, I never use a light. And I'm like, well, you made tons of noise and don't sound like a deer. So I feel like that's worse in a, in a sense. So sometimes, you know, like when sometimes you just like to learn a thing or two. So you have something else to share. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, there was a couple times this year where I just, if I saw a deer, I just left my light on, you know, like if I'm walking, not necessarily like in my stand or at my stand, but if I'm walking past them on roads, just, I want to see what they do. And most of the time they just look at you and don't do anything Yeah, because they don't think they, that you can see them. They don't, I, they don't understand that. Right. And most of the time, if you're walking in on an access that people are walking in or whatever, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that people are walking in on all the time. But if you're walking on, let's say you're walking an old logging road in the middle of the woods, like that's where deer expect some kind of traffic. Um, and most of the time, if you're just walking by, they're going to let you walk by. Yep. Um, it's when they feel cornered that they're going to, that they're going to get upset about it. But 
that being said, um, you're talking about setting up quiet and seeing deer close to your stand. Well, this year when I killed the deer that I killed, when I was walking in, I could see a buck and a doe and he's kind of just, you know, chasing around a little bit. And they both looked at me with my headlamp on and he looked at her and she's more worried about me and he's more worried about her. And then I guess he kind of sensed his opportunity and he chased her down over a ridge. And then I turned to go into where I wanted to sit and I could see five sets of eyes, like basically under the tree that I wanted to sit in. And I was like, well, great. They're going to bust out of here. Cause I was close. <laughs> I was like 60, 70 yards. Right. And so I just kind of backed back out and I just turned my light off, waited 20 minutes and I worked my way back in there. Those deer filtered right out to their bedding area where I'm sure they just went and laid down. I don't, I don't know, but they didn't, they weren't overly upset because mm-hmm. every now and then I could hear them just kind of walk in and, you know, you could just hear them walking through there. They weren't busting out or anything. So, um, and then I was able to get in there and, uh, you know, have a good hunt. Right. Yeah, man. I, that's man. I, I love this stuff. I friggin' just, I don't know, I eat it up. All right. So you, you check your inventory, you look at some of the, your camera data. What, what kind of, what's next after that? you kind of take give to give yourself a little bit of a break? Do you start, like you were saying, you're, you're always on a little bit also e-scouting. Like, do you look at like how much do you take into consideration of like, man, I really want to go hunt a new spot or check out a new spot. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like I, like the spot that you helped me out and Jim out, like where we were that day, that that was like a two and a half year process where I finally got in there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. like, like the, do you have any process like that at all? Yeah. I mean, you, I'd never really take a break to be completely honest. Cause now <laughs> I'm just ate up with it and I've always been that way, you know, but, uh, and now that I'm like writing for Exodus yep. and stuff, like I'm always thinking about it cause I got to write something, you know? And, uh, I think, I think, yeah, I do. You have that, like I killed the buck back in a clear cut, um, in 2018. Uh, and this wasn't, I I never went back like, well, I've hunted this spot once since or once or twice since then, but not it's because my other buddy wanted to go there. Like, Oh, I want to go back to that spot because I want to see if I can get one in there. But like, I never had that, like, I killed one there. Like, I want to go somewhere else now, I, you know. Yeah. And not that, like, I wouldn't go, like, if it's a real dynamite spot and I'm like, oh, there's toads in here all the time, like, yeah, I'm going to go back and hunt it. But I just haven't had that, like, oh, I want to go back into that spot, you know. I don't even really hunt close to it anymore, to be completely honest. Um, but, yeah, I do have that one to go to go look at new spots, and I, like – mark them on the map every year. Like, Oh, I want to go check out this game lands or that game lands. And, um, you know, last, actually last week, um, my wife was working, I was home. I didn't have anything to do. And I texted buddy. I said, Hey, I'm going to go drive to his parking lot. I don't like, I'm not going to hike around or anything. I just wanted to go see, see where this access is at. Cause I'm going to go scout that this spring, you know, so we drove out there. The drive was nice. Parking lot was empty. 
uh, I think it was a Friday too. So it was like, Oh, that's nice. You know, yep. Friday should have people in it during the rut, you know? And, um, that's an area I'm going to go, I'm going to go look at it, but I'm always doing that kind of thing. Cause you know, especially in season, that's a good, like I said, the parking lots tell you a lot, man. Like, you know, you, you go in there and there's 15 cars. It tells you one thing. There's either one really, really big buck there or just the access is easy. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of my process as far as that goes. It's just like, yeah, I'm thinking about looking at a new spot all the time. Yeah. I, for me this year, already looking ahead, even though I still have time to, to hunt last year, coming into this season, I put a lot of, I put, I put nine, nine out of, well, let's do this. I put 11 of 12 eggs in the, the bat in, in the cart for a back at home. With with yeah. me with me coaching last spring and everything else I, I had going on, I did not get a chance to go out scouting a lot. Like I didn't like Dimitri and I really didn't do any any of that stuff together uh very often or or at all until like we went one day up here basically and I was like really the only time I scouted up like public land up here and Next year, I, I do want to change that a little bit since now I'm not coaching. So I will get a chance to get out a little bit more often just to have a, a backup plan. But man, like knowing what opportunities I have a chance to hunt back at home on yeah. private and public, it, it's it's kind of hard not to. So, but I do want to look out, look at some different spots, even like locally here. Like there are some some mountain pieces that could be really tough to get into and you know i'm sure hold good deer yeah you never know what you're gonna find man i i always find you know you can look on on x and this is the reason you go walk it is because like it's probably not going to look anything like it does on the map you know that right and um but then you know maybe something else catches your eye while you're in there you're following something like like oh this isn't what i thought i was but then you're following something along and you're like oh but this this is kind of what i was hoping for you know yep. i've done that a lot of times you know i um i sent a friend a waypoint this year and i think i told you this it was an area i didn't hang any cameras in this year but i normally you know i, I hang some there every every now and then and i sent him a waypoint so like, here go here you go out, you see bucks there he saw 13 bucks and a bear. <laughs> I've never even seen, I like, I've had some good hunts in there, but not like that, man. Like, yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. It's cool. But, but that, that was, that's a spot where, you know, I was like, ah, it's, it's not really what I was hoping for. And then you kind of just, Oh, well, there's deer trail. I'll follow the deer trail or, Oh, maybe, you know, maybe this train feature close by and, and you, you get on something while you're there. Yeah. Cause, um, you know, one thing that Tony always says is like, Hey man, wherever you're hunting, there's probably a deer there. That's going to make you happy. You just have to figure out how to find it or find, you know, not necessarily the specific deer. Cause everybody wants to hunt the same, like, Oh, I want to kill this, this buck. But if you want to kill this buck and you find the spot that all the bucks like, there's a good chance he's going to that spot. So hunting specific spots, and I'm not talking about sitting in the same tree stand every year, but a, a general area, a core area that bucks like to use. Um, if you find that spot and you're hunting those, that area, you're going to have, you're going to find something that you like, whether it's yeah. the specific deer that you're looking for or whatever. I like it. 
Well, let's kind of transition into your hell of a year. Elk, friggin' nice whitetail, <laughs> everything. Yeah. What to to sum up both? What's something, man, that that you really took away this year, like from the from the season? Like what's like what's a good learning attribute that maybe you put on on the old Batman belt that you have and all that stuff? Well, you know, I like to be a positive person all the time. Um, this year, there were some moments where it was not easy to be positive. You know, like um, when I killed that elk, I killed the elk that I, I hunted on a, on a drop camp. And um, it was public land, whatever. And uh, the guide sets you up in a wall tent and says, text me when you get one, you know. And um, I killed this elk on the first day. And I had been having issues, like my eyes were all dry and stuff. I've had like corrective surgery or whatever. I don't know if I rubbed it or got something in it or what, but, um, I, I killed the elk and then I was all jacked up and I'm shaking. We're taking pictures or whatever. And I went to fill out my tag and I looked, I had, was wearing sunglasses to keep the wind out of my eyes. I like looked down. I'm like, Oh, my sunglasses are foggy. And I put my sunglasses up and I looked at the guy that was with me and he's five feet away from me. And I'm like, Oh, putting my sunglasses up didn't help. Yeah. So I look at him with my left eye. And I'm like, Oh, that looks fine. Look at him with my right eye. And I, I can tell there's a person standing there, but I can't see his face. I can't read my tag. I can't see my hand like nothing. And I guess he, he was a doctor and he, he took a look in my eye and he's like, you know, it looks like you got a sty and you know, it looks like you're, you got all kinds of goop on the center of your eye. You must've scratched like scratch your cornea or something. So we were debating if I should come out, like have the guide come and get me and go, go down and see an eye doctor. And I was like, I mean, at this point, what's he going to do? If I'm blind, I guess I'm blind. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, it's going to be fine. We'll just, he's like, I got eye drops, you know, as long as it doesn't spread to your other eye, it's probably not an infection, which the guide ended up calling a eye doctor. Cause he was all worried about it. And the eye doctor said the same thing. If it doesn't spread to his other eye, really, he's okay to stay there. He just needs to keep it lubricated. Well, it's all well and good, but I was the caller for this guy that was with me. And I wanted to, I wanted to elk hunt. I went there to elk hunt, man. Like, I know I killed one, but I still want to go, you know, you want to hear the bugles and do all that stuff. But we were hunting at 11,000 feet and it's rocky up there, man. And, um, with one eye, one eye good and one eye not good. It's not easy to walk around that stuff. So there was a couple of times where I remember like getting a little, like, I got to hike all the way out here, you know, but I remember like you got like just telling myself, like, come on, man, you spent two and a half years playing this thing. You're gonna let a little I come on, get over it. You know, like yep. and I had a great time, man. Like we hunted our butts off and like calling elk and close getting close. Like, dude, it was it was wild. It was such a great time. Um, but that was something I could have really been more negative about i think when i went back to the tent a few times lay down just to like not really pass out from being so dizzy but like uh there's a couple times where i'm like this really sucks (laughs) most things at eleven thousand feet suck (laughs) like turning over in your sleeping bag (laughs) yeah yeah no no doubt about that well 
how with killing that elk, man, are you hooked or what? Yeah, I, I want to do it again. hundred percent. Like, I, I don't think it's something I want to do every year. Cause it's like, I, the guys I was with were like, other than the doctor that I was hunting with, he he's ate up with elk hunting. That guy is, he's an excellent elk hunter. He just loves it. My two other buddies that I went with, they were like, they had a great time too, but they were like, I think when we do this again, we can find something in the 8,000 foot range. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, like you felt like a champ when you were down at 8,000 compared to when you were up at like 11, 12, mm-hmm. our, our tent was at 11 and we were hunting between 10, five and 12 most of the time. And it's not easy at all. Like you're short of breath all the time. Like you just feel different. You know, when you get down in that 8,000 foot range, you're like, Oh, I can, you know, and then when we, when we got down into Denver or into, um, into Denver, we're like, man, I feel amazing. You know, I run a marathon right now. Like it's it's wild. It's wild feeling. That's what always kind of worries me a little bit because when we went out to Utah and I've, I said this on the podcast before and I've told people before, like even talking in the mornings, I felt really short of breath. And I remember Dimitri and Tim like when we would go hike somewhere in the in the morning, particularly, I remember just like being slow and sluggish. And then midday, in the evening, man, I was perfectly fine. Like you know, I was yeah. either past them or keeping up or whatever have it. But man, those mornings they kicked the crap out of me. So I'm I'm always, I don't I, to be honest with you, I think we hovered around like seven. I think. Yeah. I don't quote me, but I know like at one point we did go all the way, like we hit, we were on the mountain that we were on. We did go up pretty, I think at least 10. Um, yeah. And I felt fine because it was middle of the day, but it didn't matter, man. Those mornings just kicked the crap out of me. Yeah. And that's like, we were taking, I took a prescription of Diamox to help acclimate and um, the other guys did too. And then, you know, ibuprofen, like the Advil or whatever can help. And it helps like alleviate getting, getting a headache and stuff like that. But the shortness of breath, there's nothing that really helps that until you just kind of get used to it. You know, by day three, you feel like, like, Oh, it's tolerable. You know, it's different. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, when I walk uphill, I get shorter, more short of breath than I normally would walking up that hill. But it's, it's definitely a different feeling. I, I think part of it's mental too, you know, like, you know, like, if I didn't know that altitude was causing me to be shorter breath, I'd just be like, Oh, I guess I'm just having a rough day. You know? <laughs> right. Right. All right. But, so you wanted to be more positive. That's a, so yeah, but you know, with the, uh, with the buck thing, man, um, I hit one, I hit a really, really good buck a week and a half before I killed the one I killed. And that was, that was kind of hard for me. It was like, uh, it was a chip shot. It was eight, like six or I don't know, somewhere six, somewhere between six and 10 yards. And, um, I called the deer in and he was big, man. Like he was bigger than the one I killed. And, um, I just remember like seeing his flat back with all the hair rubbed off of it. And like, he just was ticked off, man. Cause I snort wheezed at him and he came in on a line, like just, you know, and it should have been easy. It should have been, you know, it should, it should have been a dead deer. And I hit a branch or a twig or something and the arrow 
the basically the broadhead went into his into his ham bone without hitting anything pertinent other than his bone at all and the split the tip of the arrow and the arrow came out completely clean and the, the broadhead stuck in his bone you know mm-hmm. and obviously you feel if you bow hunt it's going to happen it's going to happen to you at some point in time but it just sucks you know and but you know I, I really wanted to be negative about it and i was down about it and it's fine to be down about stuff but you can't let it weigh you down because then i went back and i killed i killed the buck i killed in the same spot because um i had a lot of confidence in that spot because that's actually where you know, that's actually where I run one of my cell cameras. I keep it there during the rifle season just because it's a spot deer get pushed back to. And, um, I, it, I'm not going to say, you know, a whole lot of details, but it's not far from the parking lot, but it's not close to the parking lot. You know what I mean? It's just yep. one of those, like, eh, I guess I could hunt here kind of places, but we put a camera in on a scrape in there and I, I get 120 inch deer on it during rifle season all the time. And, uh, for the last three years, and I really know how that area rolls through October, November. Cause I'll get, I'll get a spurt of daylight stuff in like the 14th to the 18th. And then I'll get that last week in October movement. And then I'll get a whole bunch of cruisers basically from November 3rd through November 14th. And, it's not every day in that latter part of November, but like that sixth, eighth, ninth, usually you get one, one or two every day. And then after that, you know, it's kind of random and they'll be in the middle of the day, but I just know how that area heats up. And I'm like, man, I know that one of my buddies hit a buck in there last year. And then a buddy went in there a week later and shot a a small, a small buck, Mm -hmm. but he saw a lot of deer. And I'm like, well, just because he shot a small one doesn't mean it couldn't have been a big one, you know. I was like, I have a lot of confidence in that spot, and I think there's deer in there. And even though I was walking around, looking around for stuff, it's been a week and a half. Uh, the time is different now. It's not really pre-rut. They're chasing now, you know, and they're cruising. And I said, I need to get back in there because there's going to be a deer there. And I don't – if you saw my – if you saw my Instagram story, I posted a picture at a sunrise and I put my bow and like, this is the day it's going to happen. And I, I, I got the, yeah, no shit, no shit. I remember that you looking at that and be like, today's going to be the day. And I was like, man, that sucker's going to call his shot right now. And then like, I don't know, not too much longer after that. I look and you're like eight 32, talk to my wife, eight 34, kill this buck. I was like, that yeah. son of a gun. How about that, man? I know. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, though. I'm glad you do that because it is contagious in a positive way, right? Like yeah. other people could look at that and be like, what an asshole, you know, that, you know, because they're struggling or whatever. But like a couple weekends ago when I did go in for that 12th, 13th, whatever weekend, man, I was so positive. I'm like, it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. It's happening. Right. And obviously when it wasn't happening, I still felt like it could happen at any moment. Like, let's yeah. go. You know what I mean? And I, I tried kind of like you, like you said, I mean, I, I just tried to be as positive as I could, even though I had uh, opportunities, maybe some things I wish I would have done differently, stuff like that. But I tried to like, even when I would talk to you, I was like, man, I'm learning. I'm doing, I'm doing good. Right. Like I, 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 I hope I sounded positive. I mean, there were frustration, yeah. but at the same time, it wasn't like, man, I wasn't ready to, 
to give up. You know what I mean? Well, it's okay to be frustrated. I mean, we're like you bow hunting, like you're going to get frustrated. If you're not, there's something wrong with you. Right. If you're not frustrated and, um, you know, I, well, and just that conversation you were talking about, you know, we both said like, man, this is the first year you've had like hammers on camera all the time. Yeah. Like not just like one or two pictures, man, you like your cameras lit up this year yeah. with good ones. And, and that's like something to take from it. But like, if you go in there and you're like, eh, maybe I should have slept in, uh, you're, you're, you're going to talk yourself out of stuff that you wish you wouldn't have, you know, like if, uh, if, if, um, if you didn't want to go riding your bike or hiking or however you get into your stand and your bad boy buggy on your farm, whatever it is, if you didn't want to go riding through that wind or the little bit of rain that was going to happen just to get in your stand, you know, for when that rain lightened up or whatever, and you're like, Oh, I could have stayed in bed. Oh, I'm probably not going to shoot anything anyway. You're not going to shoot anything. Right. And then you're going to make mistakes. You're going to go through that woods. Like you're not going to shoot anything. Like you're going to walk, you're going to, bumble around you're break sticks and you're going to bust deer. And then when you're in the stand, you're going to be moving around too fast or too much. And a deer is going to be coming in behind you. You're going to bust it. Like something like that's going to happen because you stopped caring or you just got negative about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. You, you just, you have to be that way all like really all the time. And like, what's the point? Well, you're not gaining anything from being that way. Right. Like I said, being frustrated and talking to your buddies, like you and I are talking, you know, if I'm down because I hit a buck or you're down because, you know, um, you kick some deer out in the morning. Well, that's a normal frustration. Like, but then you didn't quit cause you kicked buck out or deer out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, all right, well, I gotta just figure this out. Yep. What's, uh, you know, we talked about like, kind of like what was a, a, a learning moment is there another like key takeaway from this year, like being in the woods? Yeah, I am. <clears throat> I'm a big buck fever guy. And I think it's cause I, I don't know, you know, we just love it so much, man. And you know how it is. Like if you go in the woods and you're like, today I'm going to kill a doe. Well, guess what? The first doe that walks by, you're like shaking like a leaf. It don't, and it don't matter. It, if you don't have any intent on shooting that deer, you can handle it a little bit better. But if you're like, Oh, I'm, you know, it, it doesn't matter. You're, you're jacked up. So I think, um, uh, I think with my elk, I shot that thing so fast that it didn't, I didn't have any time to get jacked up about it. Um, the deer, I was just about on the cusp of it because he actually was cruising up a ridge. And when he came around a tree, his vitals were covered up by a tree and he looked straight up at me. And I was like, oh, that's, he's five yards away. I'm like, well, that's it. And I wasn't even drawn yet, you know, because he didn't really have any opportunity to draw while he was behind anything. I, if I would have drawn, he would have busted me prior to that. But he came around this tree and he just looked straight up, not even pot, like just looked straight up. I don't know if the sun was behind me or he was just so keyed in on whatever dough he was sniffing that he didn't care. I'm going to guess it was the sun because the sun was like, he kind of like did one of these, like couldn't really get me. And he put his head down, looked back up, couldn't get me again. So he just kept walking. 
And that moment I started to get like, Oh, it's going to happen now. And I like started to draw my bow. And I was like, I thought right back to the deer that I hit. And I was like, you freaked out. Don't freak out. Yeah. So I remember drawing my bow and I didn't even put the pin on the deer. I was completely off the deer. And I was like, get that pin in your peep, get your bubble dialed, do all the things that you normally do. And then like, okay, now go over to the deer. Now settle it. Just, just settle it. And then I remember saying to myself, heart shots only. And (laughs) I let it go. And the deer ran up the hill 60 yards and he kind of got like teetery and he started running straight back towards me and he tipped over at 50 and he did, did, you know, just, just flopped over dead, you know? And I'm like, I I couldn't believe it. I've never had, I never shot a deer and have it tip over in front of me. Yeah. Like that. That's awesome. I think one of my process this year was, I went, ran through the, like my technique countless of times, even when there was no deer there. Like if I was, if I would hear a noise, whether it be a squirrel or whatever, I was like, draw anchor bubble, you know, and like whatever my other cues were, like I would say that. So that way when the time came, it was, you know, like I said, the, the, the doe that I shot, man, that i did not get like any penetration on and, and everything. I'm still, I know this is going to sound weird, but like, I'm so proud of myself of that shot because of the process. I ran, I ran through it. Everything went smoothly. I watched the arrow, like as I released, like I didn't peak, I didn't do anything like that. It just missed a little to the right. Like I said, I think the noise or something, something happened where, it just, I did not get any penetration like whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as that shot process, man, I, I will take that 10 out of 10. 10 out yeah. Of 10. And that's a, that, that's a great idea. Like just to hear, just hearing a noise and then starting to remind yourself about that. Cause that's something you don't really think about when you're in the stand. Cause you're a, you're either thinking about your next peanut butter and jelly or your, uh, you're you're focused on the deer that are around you or whatever and you don't even think about like oh hey the the important part is is that i'm able to shoot the deer when it comes by yeah i will say this too man i will also take 10 out of 10 times like a deer just randomly coming knowing that like if i said in my head like either the next buck whatever i'm 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 killing or i'm shooting or whatever doe same thing i love when they just come out of nowhere because i will say the difference of seeing the, the piebald from, yeah. the, from the bottom of the ridge walk straight to me on a dime. And also after we get off, I'll send you the video of like my foot shaking. Like after that whole encounter, I actually held it together a heck of a lot better than I used to and being full drawn on them twice. But the, I could definitely tell the difference from that to when I saw the really big, like the, the big crab claw come through busting like a bat out of hell through that thick stuff and thinking like, okay, he might come in. Even though I, I, I watched him and I had an opportunity, my heart was pumping, but I was a lot more calm. Like I felt almost yeah. like an assassin where I was like, I'm cool, calm, collected. And this is like, I told myself it's going to happen. And, right. I, was, and I was ready to rock and roll. I was ready to go. Compared to that pie ball where I was like, oh, shit, like this is going to happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I felt, I, I felt 
the, the fever, you know what I mean? Like, uh, but, but I did, I calmed myself down and I was, I, I, I took some deep breaths. I w- talked through my process. So I was able to calm down there in that situation. But like where in years past, I totally would have blacked out. Yeah. No doubt about yeah. it. And, but yeah, I, sometimes it is easier to have those fast encounters because you don't have the time to black out. Yeah. And you're just like, you go from like, uh, you know, la di da to, oh, it's go time. Yeah. Instead of like, okay, here he comes. Here <laughs> like just something that would be on like those words, whatever you always, like I don't follow, but like, you see it once in a while, like from that hunting douche page and it's like things like hunters say or whatever, hunting douche hunters say, and it's like, what just happened? You know what I mean? Yeah. But there are times when like you, you go through it and you're like, oh, totally. Like what, what, dude, what did happen? I, I mean, I get that, but. Yeah. And I like, well, and there, and there's the difference because you can tell the difference all the time. I didn't, the, the elk I shot dropped over in his tracks. Cause I, um, I made a frontal shot and it went, it went in the hole, but it hit his, it hit like the side of his rib. And, um, the arrow went, well, I was also downhill. So the arrow went upwards. Mm-hmm. So it went all the way, it went all the way behind his shoulders but it went upwards and hit him in the spine. So I, I probably got like aorta and there was squirting blood everywhere. So in through the front and up through the back of his shoulders into his spine, he drops over and I, I ended up finishing him, but I didn't shake at all until I walked up on that thing. Cause like, dude, when he was down like that, he was like, there was a log next to him. He was like picking the log up with his antlers, like just <laughs> like, like, a, like a freaking full grown red oak tree, you know, like wasn't a red oak. Cause there was no red oaks there, but it was a big tree, whatever it was. Yep. And he would like, dude, the thing. And then you just like pick those antlers up. And then I just started shaking. Like, I'm like, Oh, like, Oh my goodness. You can't believe it happened. It's like all surreal, but you're just like, it's a different, it's a different, like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. My, our buddy, Paul from B&B Archery up in New York, he always tells a story of the first year when he drew his moose tag, I think in Maine and it was with a gun. I think it was with the gun. I don't know. Anyway, you you have to have like a co hunter with you. And yeah. it was his brother and he tells the story like he shot it first and then his brother had like a follow-up shot and he like looked at his brother and he was like, are you going to shoot? Like shoot if you got it. And he's like, his brother's one leg was off the ground and just totally like, <laughs> like shaking like a leaf, man, like a dog shit razor blades. He's just said, it. it's just Paul telling the story is so good at it. You know what I mean? Cause obviously yeah. it's, it's his moose, it's but his like, <laughs> but it's his brother, but oh my gosh, I love, I could listen to him tell that story all the time, but you know, I, I, but that's the stuff, man, you live for. I love it. You know? Oh yeah, totally. It's, it's why you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you don't necessarily do it just for the adrenaline right, rush. Right, right. There's so many reasons, but that, I mean, it's, it's freaking awesome. I just wish, you know, one thing, one thing is, is just, it's just experience doing it. So I guess if you, if you have the opportunity to shoot, to shoot those, yeah. you know, cause when, when you have the opportunity to shoot the buck, that's a good point because that was something that Dan asked me in that podcast recently was like, you know, why did, why did I shoot that doe in that double scrape area when I know I was after a specific buck? And I was like, man, I'm 35. Like 
I just want to shoot deer right now. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't have the luxury of going to state to state to state to state hunting 50, 60 days a year. Like this year, man, I counted like I was only up in a tree like 18 days. Yeah, that's not a lot. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like that is not a lot at all. And for me, I just, if it's going to get my heart pumping and I'm able to get a good shot off, like, oh yeah. I, that, and I, he's like, no man, I get that. Like it's, it's your tags. Like he wasn't talking down on me. He was just like, right. he, he just knows probably that would be someone sitting there and be like, well, then why would you shoot that type of ordeal right. here after right. a specific buck? And I was like, man, I'm in the business to, I don't know. Like, well, you know, I'm always after a, a, a specific buck, but like, man, we're hunting public land and like, I'm, I'm probably not going to shoot like a little squirrely six pointer or something, you know, right, like right. I'm probably going to let him, let him grow up a little bit or let a junior hunter shoot him or whatever. Hopefully a junior hunter shoots him. Um, but man, deer that are a hundred inches still make me happy right now. <laughs> right. So I'm going to shoot him. I mean, I was I, the buck I shot was like 110, and I was tickled, man, because I already hit one. Like, how many chances are you going to get in a season to shoot one with your bow? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I could have been like, ah, I'll just wait for gun season, but I'd rather shoot one with my. I'd rather shoot spindly six pointer with my bow. Yeah. You know, like, um, so I. That's the but that's the best about all this though is like we all have our own. Yeah, our own path of of what we call success. And other than your closest buddies, make make fun of you for a little bit if you shoot, you know, one that's not bigger than theirs or whatever. And fortunately, Troy is um, Troy and uh, some of our other buddies are are pretty gracious and they they don't make fun of you. But (laughs) um, no, man, I'm happy with him. He's a good deer. He's got long tines. He's heavy, and I uh, I can't wait to see him. Yeah, I got a lot of meat in the freezer. So yeah, hell yeah, between the elk and that. But yeah, you gotta come out here soon. I know. Well, to to kind of wrap things up, dude, what what are you looking forward to from here until I don't know, like whenever? Man, I'm I'm kinda of looking forward to the rifle season. I'm gonna take um I'm gonna take a buddy out who is a good buddy of mine, new to hunting, gonna I shot both my guns today at, uh, and um, got them dialed in. I'm going to take him out and try to get him a deer on, um, I don't know, Sunday or Tuesday or something, something like that. And uh, I'm going to go to the farm and try to fill me some doe tags on Saturday. And how many tags you got? I have two. I have two for my buddy's farm and I have one uh, locally. I still have that five C tag, so I I still want to come in after Christmas and hopefully we get some decent weather that we could go to Troy. Yeah, you know, we should go down there actually and scout that five C area. I want to scout with you. Yeah, got some room to move down there, so I think we can do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, gonna gonna do that stuff and then you know just hang out with the family for the holidays. I'll probably start scouting in January. Um. I like to go to new spots early because then the spots that I know really well are good places to shed hunt just because then you know the likelihood of where the sheds are going to be. Right. And uh, the new stuff you can kind of see in the snow, get an idea, a little bit of how things are moving. Um, I actually, my my daughter is off on Monday and she was like, Daddy, can you take me deer hunting? And I was like, 
we'll go that Monday you have off. And she was like, yeah, so we'll see. Maybe she might get there and say she doesn't want to, but she keeps saying she wants to go. So, Dude, my daughter has freaking Monday and Tuesday off. Guess what days I have off? Uh, Monday and Tuesday. No, none. None. <laughs> That sucks. <laughs> Dude, it, we used to, and then all of a sudden, like, they're like, oh, season opens now on Saturday. Like, you get to go to school on Monday. Uh, that sucks. Yeah. yeah, she has off um, She has off Monday, so I'm going to take her Monday afternoon and and just hang out with her a little bit. I'm sure you know, it might, might be short-lived. I don't know. She seems to be more into it this year. She's asking to get a crossbow, and she's way too little for a compound bow. Like, she, right. she's seven years old or whatever. She can't. She can't, she could pull maybe 15 pounds, you know, not, not anything crazy, but, um, she's been, she wants to go spotting all like daddy and take me spotting, like get her some hot chocolate and we go spotting, you know, not far from the house. And she loves that. I mean, most of, we don't see anything huge or whatever, but she just gets a kick out of like, she turns the light on and there's deer there. And she's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But that's what uh, Nora's like trained now where we drive by this one open field on her way to school every morning. She's like, ah, oh, there is one. There is one. Like looked at him like, yep, there it is. You know, or she's yeah, like, no dear today. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's a bummer. You know, like she knows the look now, which is cool. Oh, yeah. I just love to like random, you know, she'd be like, oh, I see a buck rub. See a buck rub. I'm like, yeah, I, she's say, yeah, yeah, she loves that man. And, and you know what is cool is she just, she loves eat, like eating venison. Yeah. Like, like loves it. And, um, it's just fun to make it for her. Like she loves, and she loves elk too. She thinks that's cool. We've, I, we've gone to the elk range with her a bunch of times in that Northwest corner. And she just, she just eats it up. Loves, loves every minute of it. So yeah. I that's like awesome. that part. Cool, man. Well, that's awesome. So you got a lot going on and I'm excited to kind of do our scouting trip 2.0 again, this, this upcoming, hopefully now we'll be able to do it in the spring and actually get yeah. some like really good Intel, I think. And, all uh, them hammer sheds. Yeah. Oh man, I hope, dude, that'd be freaking awesome. That'd be sweet. So yeah, man, I appreciate it. I'm sure we'll we'll have you. Uh, we'll do another appearance here in the next couple months, like just to talk some other things and topics that kind of jump up. But I just wanted to have you on, like I said, kind of end of the season. What now? How are you doing? Talk about your season and all that stuff. So I appreciate you coming on, dude. Thanks for having me, buddy. Absolutely. So where could people find you and, and read some of your, your work for Exodus and Truth From The Stand and all that jazz? Yeah, um, you can find me on my Instagram handle is uh, uh, Aaron underscore Hepler. Um, you can find me on Facebook, too. I think there's another Aaron Hepler that pops up first. So you'll probably have to do a little more digging. <laughs> um, my writing you can find uh, at truthfromthestand.com. Um and uh, at exodusoutdoorgear.com and uh, a little bit for Afflictor Broadheads. Um, I'm writing for them as well. Cool dudes there. That guy um, That guy has some really great uh, YouTube content on uh, really whitetails in general. So Sweet. And then uh, I, the latest podcast, I think, that we had you on prior to this one, you did. we kind of did a, a cool thing where we – talked about like the clear cuts and all that type of stuff. And you wrote a piece that went along with what we were talking about. So definitely check that out on, on our website too. So appreciate you doing that. So, all right, man, well, let's, uh, good luck to you, to you, uh, out there rifle hunting. And hopefully we'll be able to revisit this and say, I finally got a freaking buck down or something. I don't know. Oh, we're going, we're going to say that. Yep. We're going to, I like it, man. Well, 
All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Please, please check out uh, Aaron, what he's got going on. Such a great dude. Appreciate it. And I'm sure he'll be on uh, another other couple different podcasts as well that I know know of already. So check him out. We'll see you next week. And we're up. <laughs>